I'm Taylor Nelson, 24 years old, goaltender for the San Francisco Bulls. Everything I say, I, I kind of resort back to the sport. I try and find a, a direct correlation between a lot of the, the words said in the Bible and the lessons that I've learned and try and reflect it back on my life being a hockey player. There's definitely challenges that, that one has to overcome and there's challenges I face every game. You know, there's a lot of games that don't go exactly your way. There's games that I've been pulled as a goaltender and you know, you leave the game and it's definitely a test of faith. When I fail and, and I feel like there's people that I've let down, there's many sleepless nights where I feel not only like I've let myself down, but I've let my teammates down, my coaches down, the fans down, I let my parents down. And it's a very low feeling. I actually wear this bracelet around my wrist. It's, uh, it's my favorite Bible verse. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. God has plans to help us, not to harm us. And that we have a future no matter what happens. And then this season, to be honest, hasn't exactly gone the way that I have wanted it to go. And seeing that, when, you know, when you're wavering your faith, you know, to keep pushing forward no matter what's happening in life in general and hockey in general. You might play on a Wednesday and then you play again on a Thursday. So you have to be able to find a way to dig yourself out and I found it in the Lord. I thank him for helping me and giving me the skills and talents that he has given me not worry about anything else on the ice. Just do the best I can and be with me, whether it's a glove save or a stick save, and Jesus saves. We've been looking at this theme of moving forward through the lens, through the filter of Psalm 92, this ancient psalm. And uh, we spent a few, you know, in the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the power of worship and why we worship and talked about the value of rhythms and how to, how to have, you know, times in our lives where we're honoring God in, in a consistent fashion and the benefit of all, all of, of that establishing of devotional life. And we talked a lot about it. But I'm talking about staying power here, not so much in the sense of staying still, although stillness is a value. And again, it's something we talked about last week, how it is actually important at times to pull back. So when we talk about moving forward, we're also acknowledging that there are times where we're so busy that we can't hear God. Uh, our life is so filled with noise that it's really hard to hear his voice. Uh, one of the real values of coming to the Lord's house is that it allows us to clear out space to hear his voice. And so, you know, acknowledging the fact that there are times where we have to you know, and God talked about this in the principle of the Sabbath, pull back and listen and be still. At the same time, that's not what we're really talking about. We're talking about staying power from the context of staying and sustaining our spiritual course. So we're talking about how we move into the future in a way that is vibrant and alive and as the years go by, resilient. We're talking about a resilient faith. How do we, how do we acquire that? How do we nurture that in our lives. The benefit of it is that it will produce a, a life of tremendous positive impact in the people around us. At the end of the day, a growing life in God is going to be such a beautiful gift. And so it's something we should all aspire to. Now, I wanted to just kind of connect with a verse that sort of sets this in place for me. And this is not in the handout. I'm going to, we're going to put it up. So many of you are familiar with it. It's from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. I thought it was a really... Um, good way to sit with this. 
Paul is writing, and I've been preparing on the life of Paul. I've been studying a lot about his life, uh, his ministry. In fact, in the fall, I'm, the, the, the series on Paul, the, the second chapter of, our, of Paul's life and his early ministry life is something I'm going to really zero in on. So I've been sitting with it, and I've been, I've been watching him walk through these amazing trials and difficulties, and uh, he was hurt and suffered a lot, and yet he wrote those words. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. And I guess just because of where I've been with him, I realized that part of the reason he wrote that is because there was that temptation he felt to lose heart. Part of the reason he said, therefore, we don't lose heart is because he was struggling himself with sometimes getting discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever felt like, you know, does it really matter? Um, felt like quitting, running away, giving up. See, Paul's saying, don't, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer person, he says, our outer man, this body of ours is perishing. He says our inward person can be renewed day by day. I love that. The idea of daily renewal. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, fill me this day with your life. This idea of being renewed day by day, very important. You know, I was thinking about how sometimes the moon, we call it, it's a waxing or a waning moon. It's like Paul was saying, our life is like a, a waning moon, you know? It's, it's just slowly, it, it begins to shrink too. It, it comes to a point where it has to reinvent itself into the next life. We talk about the next life, a new beginning in God, in Christ. And, and yet, at the same time, there's this idea that our life can be growing. It can be waxing stronger and more full as the years go by. So when the Bible talks about the blessed life, it's talking about a life that is acquiring wisdom and understanding, and it's having compounded benefit of, of, of blessing as the years go by. Not, not necessarily measured by things like a bank account, but in terms of the impact that we have in, in our, on the people we love, um, the influence, the relational connections we have, the things we leave behind, um, these are all areas that Jesus talked about, our own life with God. Anyway, I'm talking about staying renewed, talking about sustainability, particularly when we feel weary. Again, when we fall down, we, can we get up? When we want to quit, can we keep going? Can we stay on the right course when everything in us wants to run in a different direction? That's what we're talking about, staying power. So if we can go back to Psalm 92, I want to look at what is the, you know, the center of it. And again, I just want to say this about the Psalms. You read the Psalms and you hear them, him, a lot of times the psalmists are talking about, it's mostly David, but a lot of other, there's others who write the Psalms. And uh, the Psalm is a prayer book, but it's a song book as well. And a lot of times in the Psalms, you'll, you, when you read them, you'll hear him talking about the, his enemies and his, the, those who are opposing him and those who are hunting for his life. And, and you know, for, in my mind, they, and they were literal enemies um, that they had, the people who were going after them and, and opposing them. And he talks about wickedness and the pre, pre, preeminence of, of evil. And, and, but in the light of Christ, you know, I often, one of the things I do, and it's part of a tradition the church has cultivated for centuries, is to personalize the Psalms. So that, and again, because what Jesus taught us, not just to think about, you know, those who work evil or who would hurt or inflict pain on us or on others, but on the, the spiritual enemies that would also overwhelm my love for God. Like Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know, this idea also of the enemies within my own heart as well. I have to think about what are the things that are really standing in the way of me moving forward with God? 
that are opposing me, resisting, trying to, to push me in a different direction. That's what we're talking about here. Now, there are great principles for moving forward here. I want, to, I want us to read this. This is in uh, Psalm 92. I'm going to read out of the, the, a more modern translation, the NLT. This is in your handout. It's in the middle section, verses 4 through 11. I'll just jump right in there. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Oh, Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton, only, only a simpleton, and this is really making the case here, would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. And though the wicked sprout like weeds and the evil do- doers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O oh Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish as, as the evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. And you have anointed me with the finest oil. And my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. And my ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. It's, it's really interesting there because part of what he's getting at is that he's talking about this, this principle of, of what I'm going to say, staying focused. And we'll put this up. This is the, the idea of staying focused on the Lord and not on the evil or the unfairness of life. And this is a great truth that one of the real ways that we move forward is by staying focused on the Lord and not on the evil and the unfairness of life. And again, one of the reasons I love the Psalms is because the psalmists are grappling with the reality. Um, Here he's grappling of what they're experiencing, and they're very honest words. And here we see him grappling with the reality of evil and wickedness. And just like, you know what? Like we as a nation have had to do in the past few weeks. What people all over the world do, in some cases, on a regular basis. And the fact of the matter is, he, he's, he, when he says, you know, the wicked seem to sprout like weeds. And those who would inflict pain the, and work evil on others, they, they flourish. And he was looking around the world, and, he could, and you know what he saw? He saw problems everywhere. And he, and he, and he, he saw danger. And you can tell he found it disturbing and unsettling. And and he's angry and he's also fearful. And so what does he do in the midst of this this world that he sees and things that are happening unjustly around him? He he settles himself. He stabilizes himself on God's enduring goodness. Do you see that? It's one of the ways in which sometimes when we find ourselves being disillusioned or just worn down by all the bad news, periodically the benefit of just stabilizing ourselves on God's goodness. Part of what he's saying, it's like he's saying this, don't get stuck on by what is wrong in life. Instead, stay focused on God. Don't get stuck by what is wrong in life. Instead, stay focused on God and, and focus on all that is right in his eyes. Remember that ultimately goodness will prevail. So stay hopeful, stay resilient, whatever life sends our way. That, I mean, that's the contention that's being made. It's not denying the reality of, of things that can, are bad. It's not, we're not denying the reality of disappointment. We live in a broken world. The Bible talks about it. Sin impacted. God came to address that issue. He gave us his only begotten son. He entered into the worst of it. Um, he doesn't make us, though, puppets or automatons in this framework, this prelude to eternity. God's not in control uh, in the sense that he's imposing his control. He is in terms of his overarching purpose, which he said is good and just. And that's what the psalmist was linking into. He wasn't denying the reality of things that were bad. What he was saying was, in the midst of it all, God is still good. And I'm going to recognize that. And so one of the things I'm also reminded of is that we need to also then 
pay attention to our own heart. That we need to watch our demeanor. We need to watch our attitudes. We need to be especially watchful for bitterness, which often comes out of disappointment with God or with other people. A lot of times things can get locked into us because of people who disappoint us. Sometimes I've talked to people at the core, they're angry with God. I've watched a lot of people walk away from God because of things that were unfair and inexplicably difficult to understand, and therefore they said, well, if God is love, then this couldn't have happened, so they walk away. Other people in that question walk to him and say, what I can never understand, I choose to trust in his grace and his love, which was ultimately evidenced in the way in which he suffered for us, that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might be made right with God, that he felt forsaken, he felt broken, he felt the impact. And in some mysterious way, God shares every ounce of our pain and disappointment and yet redeems it. It's a tremendous message for us. But what does that mean for us in the smaller picture? It means that we need to trust him with our lives. Trust him with the details of our lives. Part of moving forward is trusting him even in the disappointing places. So I go back to verse 10 there, and I want us to look at this. It says, and I love the language of it. He says, you make me as strong as a wild ox. That was a great phrase there. And then the strong as a wild ox. And this is, and what is this? But a reminder, right, to number two, to stay strong and to stay sturdy in our faith. You know, an ox, which he could have chosen any animal he chooses now, is, is known for its lengthy, steady strength, its ability to endure with a significant load. An ox just keeps on going, right? It just bears as strong as an ox. But in this case, it's saying that the Christian life it's not, just a, it's not just an ox, and I like the way, I like the fact that it says wild ox, because it reminds me that following Jesus has a little bit of an edge to it, right? When it's really working right, it's got, it does, it does, it's got, it's got creativity, it's not just a mundane plot along the ox, right? It, it's designed to be full of life, it has, there are times where it's going to have to, it's going to have to, you know, stir something up inside of us, so it, it's got a little edge and a lot of steady, a little edge and a lot of steady. And that steadiness has a way of building. I mean, I'll tell you, I've talked to people, I say, look, especially when you're new in the Lord, I say, I'm really excited for you. Do not lose your excitement. Stay with it as long as you have it. It's great. I love that. Jesus is great. God is good. And I say, you know what? Here's the deal. There's going to come a point where your faith is going to get challenged. And I've watched a lot of people, spiritually speaking, they came out of the gate, man, it was full sprint, right? I mean, they're all going, for, going fast as they can. And, I'm, and you know what? But here's the thing. The prevailing Christian life is not a sprint. It's a long-haul run. And it, here's the deal. Jesus talked about the danger of having a very surface emotional, and I'm, listen, I'm not anti-emotion. I'm very emotional, <laughs> all right? I do love the Lord, and I'm not ashamed to weep before him, especially at times when I'm overwhelmed by his, his grace and love for me in spite of my sin, stubbornness, and pride. And there are times where I've got nothing in the tank, and I just say, Lord, help me. But I'm emotional. At the same time, I want to say that the Christian life has to be more than just emotion. If it's going to survive and sustain itself as the years go by in a vibrant way, it's got to have to have roots Jesus talked about it in the story of the talents. I mean, the sower, the sowing the seed. He said that, he said it's like a, 
if some seed, he said, falls on the ground and it grows real fast, but then what happens is it's hit in the middle of the day by the heat of the day. It's like the trials and the tribulations of life just hit that seed, begin to scorch it, and it doesn't have the root system to prevail, so it withers. He says, you see, instead, if you can get these roots down below the surface that go down deep, it can sustain itself all through the day in the different seasons that come our way. It's about learning how to negotiate a faith that grows even through difficult places when water is hard to find. It's, the Lord did not sell us a bill of goods that was false. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, sign on with me, you'll never have any problems. Anybody who says that is, is, is selling a different, a different truth than what Jesus taught us. What Jesus said was, even when this world presents us with problems, I will be with you, and I will show you how to negotiate through them in a way that prevails, in a way that is actually life-giving. Now, that's possible when we have roots. You can, we can be sturdy and strong in our faith, but it means that we're going to have to be rooted down deep because sometimes we're not going to feel like going. Um, and I think one of the keys for moving forward then is sustainability. And you'll hear me talk about that a lot. I'm a big believer in a, that the faith that endures, that has long haul productivity and vibrancy, it's not just working ourselves to exhaustion. It involves pacing. And, and especially in a, in a complex culture like ours, we need to pace. Uh, that's true in any run. Uh, there, we've got to know, we've got to listen, in, and, and there are, there, it, the more of a rhythm we can get into in our life with God and then periodically change things up, we've got to train differently. I'm using analogies in the physical because I think they really help us. Any training, in, and we get it, we've, it, our diet, we get it. If we've got to think about what we're putting into our body. We're going to have to stretch ourselves, and, and, and the, the higher we want to see the output potential in us, the more we're going to have to think about how we're training. The same thing holds true in the spirit. We're not going to get a different result than what we put into it, really. Not so. We talk, Jesus himself, I mean, we spent, last week we talked about this, how he lived a life that was connected to the Father. He, he had a prayer life. He modeled prayer. He modeled going to the Lord's house on the, on the Sabbath. To, there was a rhythm. We talked about the psalm where it says, you know what? You know, declaring your loving kindness in the morning, the opening of the day, and how we also think of you, your faithfulness by night at the close of the day, the rhythm of a life lived well with God. We've talked about those things. And we also need to have, as we mentioned, accountability, um, not just like to, to catch us doing wrong. The value of having uh, relationships, and I, small group is huge. But he, because out of that context comes frequently relationships and friendships that are extraordinarily life-giving and used by God. One of, the, one of the saving things in my life with Jesus has been critical relationships at crucial times in my life where I've had what would be at least a version for me, if not a faith crisis, difficulty. And in those places to have other people who can sit there and interpret God to us or at the very least pray with us that we might be healed, to agree to get, you know, sometimes I'm up and, and, and another is down. Two is better than one, the scripture says. Three full cord, not easily broken. You can break one, but you put three, that's harder to break. There's power. Jesus, when he sent us out, when he sent his disciples out, he didn't say, okay, you're on your own. 
I'm with you, but you're on your own. He says, no, you go. You go two by two. There was something about the principle. But woe unto the one who falls and they're alone. Woe unto the one that, that is overtaken and they're alone. The Bible talks about the principal wisdom of community and having others in our lives who can train with us, be with us, strengthen us. This is a principle of the Lord for sustainability. It's one of the ways that God builds strength in us is strength in one another. And the Lord wants to teach us how to do that. And, and again, also I would add to that something that's not going to sound hyper-spiritual, but I'm going to suggest that in addition to having times in our life of where we're staying spiritually refreshed, we're reading God's word, we're, we're, we're having a prayer and conversation with him, we are claiming pieces of his scripture as our own, we're sharing around, around you know, life with him, with other people, that in addition to that, it's important for us to have pockets of refreshment in our lives. And that, I'm just talking about healthy things that we do, healthy hobbies, uh, you know, creative expressions, outlets, things that recharge us. I'm not suggesting they should be in place of, of spiritual, you know, more, more directly spiritual things. But indirectly, it's important to pace ourselves. This is what I'm trying to say. You, here's why. I'm just being, I have watched, remember I mentioned earlier, people get out of the gate real fast. I've watched people who were on fire in their love for Jesus, and it wasn't sustained. And I've even watched them, watched them walk away. So it's not like theory. I don't know how that shapes out theologically. All I know is this thing has to be nurtured and honored, and we need to walk with humility. This life with God should not be taken for granted. It's about learning how to run the race well, growing, learning from our mistakes, getting back up when we fall. Though a righteous one fall seven times, yet they will rise again. Get up. Get up. Keep going. You say, but I blew it. It's okay. I've blown it too. Follow Jesus. He's our leader. He's perfect. His love is, is true. He calls you forward. He calls you into a growing place. Listen to his voice. Can't change what I've done. Made some messes. True. God may redeem some of that. But what is ahead? What is ahead? Enlarge my heart, Jesus. Give me tenderness of spirit. Keep me listening for your voice. Not only should I be then refreshed and so I can be strong, but look at verse 10. What else does it say? You, also, you have anointed me with the finest oil. Um, this is a key phrase. Other versions say fresh oil. In their day, I know it's less true to our, in our day. If you read the Bible, you always see them talking about oil, olive oil. Olive oil was used all the time. It was used for so many things in the Middle East. It's still, I mean, it's part of the diet made food better. Um, they could use it to burn it in a lamp. Uh, oil, when it, perfume was added to it, or a little certain type of, could turn into ointment. It had healing components. Remember the, the story Jesus tells about the parable of the Good Samaritan? He says it was this man who fell among thieves. He was beaten to a pulp, stripped down naked. They stole everything and threw him on the side of the road and left him to die. And it says that two of the men walked by and were afraid. They didn't want to do anything about it. But the third one, a good man, a Samaritan, stopped and he, he knelt down and he, he began to minister to the man. He put oil and wine on his wounds, bound him up. Oil was used often that way. It was a healing kind of component to it. You know, in the Bible, oil is a type and symbol of God's spirit. 
So if the wild ox is a reminder of living a sturdy, vibrant life with him, strong, then the reference to anointing of fresh oil is a reminder, here it is, three, to stay fresh and to stay filled as the years go by. And I'm talking about God's spirit, because spiritually speaking, our strength and our vitality, our capacity for long haul endurance and sustainability is dependent on staying close to him. There's a great passage in Isaiah. I know a lot of us know, know about it. It's one of the great famous passages. He gives power to the weak. Ever felt weak? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Look, look, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those are the pictures of when, when you know what that's saying? When human strength is not enough. Here it is. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall what? Mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. There is power in Jesus Christ. There is power to move into places that we didn't think we could do. I had someone come up to me after service and said, you know what, in about an hour, this was last night, in about an hour I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to give a speech in a group and I'm going to have to share my story and I'm a little afraid. They said, would you, it just happened to, and said, would you pray with me? And we pray for courage to step out and to be, and to be, and to just give your best. God, that's okay. You, Lord, we, we invite you into this. There are times when it's just, uh, Important. We invite the Lord into. Lord, I need your strength right now in my life. Lord, there's a part of me right now that wants to get way, be very reckless and very foolish. Help me, Lord, because you know what? When we're weary, we are susceptible to making huge mistakes that have tremendous consequence. And so it's really important that when we are weary and we're worn down, we turn our heart to Him. And we say, Lord, sustain me, strengthen me in my way. Give me strength to run this race. Um, and, and if you, we do that, what we will find is that Jesus reminded us that we can do nothing of ourselves, that our strength ultimately is in. It's like, it's like the vine. He says that the branch is cut off from the vine. It has no life. You cut off a, a, br- a branch, and it falls to the ground. It, ha- it dies. It, the life is in the vine. It's connected. That's where the power is. That's where the strength is. And that's where we stay victorious. And that's my last thought here, which is stay victorious. If we're going to do this and we stay victorious, because that's where he ends this this statement. He says, you know, I've seen the downfall of my enemies. I've I've heard the defeat. He basically is saying, I'm I'm living a victorious life by faith in God. Spiritually speaking, you know what? It is dangerous out there. Snares and traps. Not saying there's this great insidious plot, but there is a toxic culture that many of the things that we are engaged in are designed to mitigate against a life that is healthy in God. And I'm just saying that to be honest with us. I mean, I'm, there are so many things and, and ways to get addicted in our culture. It's amazing. And God wants to help us here. And the, the Bible says, you know, lay aside the sins and the ways that does so easily beset us. Many things to get us off course. You know, when we're young in Christ, we just... We start, we can start, we lose focus and we can start to sort of drift off and, lose and fall, fall over because we miss our steps. Sometimes when we're older, we start looking backwards and we get off course. And the Lord wants to teach us, Lord, um, give us nimble feet in the spirit 
Help us to walk through things like, a, like the, having the feet of a deer. Have you ever seen a deer in the forest? Just moves the forest. Like graceful, powerful, quick. Over a tree sometimes. Sometimes I'll be I'll startled. I'll see it. They are startled. I'm startled. And all of a sudden, right? Gone. Fast. Quick. Amazingly graceful. Beautiful. Power. I mean, anyway, that's how God wants us to live life, right? <laughs> he wants us to move through life gracefully. Hear me out. Balanced. Balanced, graceful, beautifully. That doesn't just happen. We welcome him in. Lord, even in this very difficult place, show me how to do this. Show me how to do this, right? Show me the way. Make my feet like the feet of a deer. And, and, and that's why I, I chose what is, for me, a really important and meaningful psalm that I have at certain times in my life sat with and owned in a more deep level. And it's in Psalm 18. Some of you may, we'll close with this. Some of you may find that you just want to claim it as your own at a certain moment in your life. For this is what the psalmist says, you will light my lamp, Lord, for the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. I can't see. Show me the way, Lord. I don't see a way out of this thing. Show me the way. Enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop uh, I, can, I can leap over a wall by my God. I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to those who trust in him. He is a shield. And, for who, and who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with his strength. He makes my way perfect. He, he makes my feet, there it is, like the feet of a deer. He makes me my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on my high places. In other words, on the places where it's very narrow, and one misstep is so costly, he can show me how to negotiate that path well so that my step is true. Look what it says. It says, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend. He gives me strength I didn't know I had to bend a bow of bronze. You've given me a shield, the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up, and your gentleness, I love the juxtaposition, your power and your gentleness has held me up. What a, what a beautiful picture of God. The strength and gentleness of the Lord. You've enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. In other words, Lord, you've created a pathway, a wide, a wide path for me so that I can get through this thing without slipping. That, some of us right now, we need God to open up a path for us. Show me how to get through this, Lord. Show me the way. Open a path for me so my feet will not slip. I can, I can find my way on steady ground. This is a beautiful promise. Now, for me personally, I've been thinking a lot about enduring. I've been thinking a lot about finishing well, about moving forward. And the reason I've been thinking a lot about it is because this is the last weekend I will share a message before I turn 50. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> because I want to move forward in grace. You, may we run well. May we run well. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What is following behind us? What is being left behind after we make our way through? 
may it be goodness and mercy. May the grace of the Lord prevail among us. So, Lord, even now, I come before you. We come before you, Lord. We pray for your grace to work in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would give us nimble feet, spiritually speaking, relationally speaking. Help us, Lord, not to move in destructive ways. God, help us, even when the unfair things hit, not to compound the problem by getting our eyes off of you. Teach us how to prevail. Give us strength, Lord, that goes beyond our own capacity so that I can bend a bow of bronze. Lord, give me grace in my life so that I can make right choices. We can make right choices, Lord, and not stumble and fall in perilous ways. Give us wisdom that comes from above, Lord. Help us to know ourselves, pace ourselves, run well. Teach us your ways, O oh God. Teach us your ways. Remind us that there's more to this life than just, just kind of getting through it. You've called us to prevail and to endure. And I pray that we would be a blessing, the blessing you've made us. That we can't change what's happened, but we can commit what is even now to you. And we can give you our future by your grace. So I pray for your blessing. Bless, bless, the, bless our giving time. Many of you, many of us honor you our tithes and our offerings, Lord, but bless also the closing song. Let it be for us a, a passionate benediction, a passionate good word to close what we've shared. I pray for this blessing. I ask this, Lord, help us to stay strong in you. In this I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.